can call me Bruce. Bruce Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. For those of you who follow me on social media, you'll know that it's been a tough week in the Nolan household. On Monday, we had to say goodbye to a furry friend of mine. And you know how I feel about furry friends. This has been well documented. Dogs are better than people. They just are. And after many years together, we said goodbye to the big one on Monday afternoon. And it was horrible. It was every single thing that you think it's going to be. And somehow it's even worse. But I was struck with an idea as I was thinking about how to best provide a tribute to my furry friend, I thought to myself, I have an idea. I am going to do this podcast this week, and I'm going to call it Lessons from My Dog. And it's a football show, so don't click away if you are rolling your eyes and going, oh, Bruce is going to go down this weird, this weird tangent where he doesn't talk about football at all. That's a football show. This is a football show today. We're going to talk about football on a football podcast. Imagine that. But I'm going to find a way to tie it into a eulogy for my dog. I understand that's probably one of the strangest concepts you've ever heard for a podcast, a eulogy of a dog that's also a football podcast about the Buffalo Bills and the things that they're going through right now. But we're going to try it because it's weird and it's kooky. And if it wasn't, it wouldn't be the Bruce exclusive. So let's dive into it. Lessons from my dog. We're going to go through some bullet points of some things. Instead of one gigantic object lesson or story at the beginning, there will be little mini stories through these bullet points. And then we'll tie them in to something that I think we're learning about the team right now. First, life is best operated at two speeds. Slow and fast. If you'll notice, there's a lot of dogs that operate like this. They exist in a world where either they're go, 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 go. They got the zoomies. They're ready. Let's go. They're high energy or they're comatose on the couch. And it feels like that's when they're happiest, when they're operating in these two speeds. That's the way that my dog was. He would get the zoomies, obviously a lot less when he was older, when we first moved into the house that we moved into now, he would chase squirrels and groundhogs and assorted things in the yard. And he was very excited about those things. And then for seven hours on a Saturday, he would just lay right there on the hardwood, all cool because he liked it because he was a longer haired dog and just chill. Two speeds, stop and go. If you're going to do something, go all out. And if you're not going to do something, don't go at all. We spend a lot of time talking about tempo 
with the Buffalo Bills and their offense. And really, when you have a good quarterback and you have a good passing offense and you want to make sure you're taking it to the defense, there's only two speeds you want to operate at, fast and slow. So let's have tempo. And then there's going to be specific times when you're trying to bleed clock, when you're up by a lot and you're trying to just suffocate the life out of another team and you're purposely going slow and you're snapping the ball at one second and you're taking your time and you're running the ball and you're just draining the clock. But this middle ground where you're not really fast enough to get up on a team quickly, but you're not really slow enough to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish and you probably shouldn't be trying that anyway at that stage of the game because you're slowing the game down when you shouldn't be. That's how I want to see the Buffalo Bills offense operate moving forward. Two speeds, fast and slow. This middle ground, we talked about tempo last week and how the Buffalo Bills were like 23rd in tempo. They were 14th the previous year. They were 5th in 2021. When it comes to tempo, other teams are going to try to get you to slow down. When you have the zoomies and you're a dog, you have the zoomies and your mom and dad just don't have the energy. They're going to be, whoa, 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 whoa. No, go through it. Burn out if you have to, because you can sleep later. Once you've had your fun, then you can nap. Once you've gotten up on a team by two or three touchdowns, then you can start to slow it down a little bit if you want to. And it's in the fourth quarter and you want to try and drain it. At that point, you can do that. But you shouldn't be going slow all the time. Only two speeds, fast and slow. This middle ground, it's not fast enough to get up on someone, but it's also not slow enough to accomplish your intended goal if you're doing that at the end of the game when you're up. Go fast, get up by a lot, then you can go slow. From a tempo standpoint, that's what I want to see from the Buffalo Bills office moving forward. And I think we saw more tempo from the Buffalo Bills against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think you saw a positive impact from that. Second thing, many joys come from many toys. The key is plural. I think you saw for the Buffalo Bills what it looks like when you don't run the entire passing offense and the entire offense, mind you, through Stephon Diggs. Savon Diggs still got his touches. He still got his catches. That's good. You cannot simultaneously have an offense that consistently gives Stephon Diggs 14 targets and also run the offense as intended. There is no natural offense in the world that has one player get that many targets all the time. If that happens, you're probably not running the offense as intended. You're not supposed to only have one toy. You're supposed to have multiple toys. I'll never forget that when my dog was younger, he loved to fetch except the end point where he would have to give the toy back. He would run and get it and bring it back. And then when you brought, he brought it back to you, you go, okay, and I'll give you the ball. And he go, oh, I don't really want to give you the ball. So we decided there was a solution to this problem. Instead of taking a ball out back and throwing the ball with him, we would take three balls out back, all of which he loved. And so the way we would get him to drop the first ball when he brought it back is by showing him the second ball. So he'd come back, he'd have the ball in his mouth, he was very excited, we knew he wasn't going to give it to us, but then we would present him 
with the second ball. And he would immediately drop the first one and get ready and focused to go run after the second one. Because many joys come from many toys. Plural. Maybe the dog just wasn't designed to have one ball. He was designed to have three that he loved and chased and brought back. And, you know, he dropped them when he saw the next one. There was a cadence to the toys. And I think having that secondary option in Dalton Kincaid and having players like Gabe Davis step up and having players like Khalil Shakir, having four players on your offense, each one of which has five, six, seven catches is a big deal for the offense. It is a huge deal. There is no stellar, amazing offense that has one guy get 17 targets a game. They're going through it in Kansas City right now. They're like, whoa, whoa, we love Travis Kelsey, but we got to find secondary tertiary options in this offense because we can't have him getting 15 targets and that's it. Whether that's Rashi Rice, whether that's the return of Miko Hardman, whether that's getting Jared McKinnon involved in the passing game, they're going through this in Kansas City too. And they just won a Super Bowl with an MVP quarterback and one of the league's best offenses. Even they know that many joys come from many toys. A great lesson we can learn from my dog. Third thing, always be adjacent to the thing you love most. My dog stalked my wife, like straight up stalked her. He wasn't much of a snuggler. Like the big one wasn't really a dog who loved to snuggle with you. He didn't come up and want to snuggle, but he totally wanted to be wherever it was my wife was. Whatever room that was she was in, that's where he wanted to be. If she was in the kitchen, he wanted to be in the kitchen. He would just get up, walk until he saw you in his eyesight, and then lay down. And when she would go back to the bedroom, he would get up, walk into the bedroom, make eye contact with her, make sure she was in his cone of vision, sit down, and he was good then. Nap, play with a toy, play with his brothers, whatever he wanted to do. But he had to be within eyesight. He had to be adjacent to the thing he loved most in the world. And the thing he loved most in the world was my wife. He was happier at that point. He felt like he was more fulfilled. The Buffalo Bills have an all-star at quarterback. I want to run the ball, and I do. But one of the things I talked about last week on the Solutions episode was you need to throw the ball more. You're playing the game as if you don't have a MVP caliber quarterback at your disposal. And you do. So I want that neutral pass rate to be a little higher. Why? Because you want your best players to have more influence over the game. Your offense should always be adjacent to the thing you love most. And if you love good offense, you should love your franchise quarterback holding the ball as much as possible. That neutral pass rate needs to be high and it needs to stay high because the only teams that wouldn't want it high are the teams that don't have a Josh Allen. It should always be adjacent to the thing you love most. You as a franchise, you as an offense, you as an organization should be adjacent to that thing. Every week we should look at it and go, was this a Josh Allen centric offense? Because even when you're giving him help, which you should, 
And even when you're getting him support, which you should, and getting him weapons, which you should, and offensive line help, which you should, and defense, which you should, all those things should happen. It should never stop being a Josh Allen-centric offense. Every game plan, is this a Josh Allen-centric game plan? Every season, was this a Josh Allen-centric season? That's what you do when you have an elite quarterback. Always be adjacent to the thing you love most. We are going to take a quick break. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We have been eulogizing my dog, the big one, one of my best friends in the whole wide world, and a dog over which I cried quite a bit earlier this week. And in thinking of a good way to remember him, I decided to do a podcast about him and the Buffalo Bills, two of my favorite things. And we've been connecting lessons I've learned from my dog to lessons I think we're learning about the Buffalo Bills. The first one was two speeds, slow and fast. Up-tempo until it no longer becomes required for you to be up-tempo, in which case now you go slow. Number two, joys come from toys. Many joys come from many toys. Key is plural. Make sure we're constantly getting multiple people involved in the offense. Number three, always be adjacent to the thing you love most. Every game week, it should be, is this game offensive plan Josh Allen-centric? If the answer is no, you shouldn't be running that. Always be adjacent to the thing you love most. Next thing, number four, know when you need help and call for it. As he got older... The big one, like many large dogs, ends up having hip problems. We had him on medicine from the time he was young, 
to try and deal with the fact that his hips were going to create some problems for him. Later on in life, he started to have a lot of trouble pushing his way up to a walking position from being laying down. We got him a little harness, a help me up harness, where we could walk over to him and we could help lift up his back legs to get him situated and then he could, he could walk. But once he realized that he wasn't quite able to get up the way that he used to be, he would let out a little wolf to let you know, hey, I need to get up. I need some help, please. But you see, he was deaf. So he couldn't hear his own woofs. He couldn't hear his own barks. So it kind of came out in this little less than bark, but not quite a whimper sort of a noise. It was more like a, a slight embarrassing little call. He would almost go, oof, oof. Oof. That's what it sounded like. But he was essentially telling you, I know this is embarrassing. I'm sorry for having to ask for assistance. I, I'm trapped inside a body that only slightly works. I need your help. I'm having external stimuli that's causing me the potential for pain. I need your help. So he would come over and we'd lift him up. And he would go about his merry way until he went to go lay down again. And sometimes he would choose to lay down in places he knew he couldn't get up for because he knew, he knew we would be there to help him. So he liked to lay on cold things, right? So hardwood was much cooler than the carpet, but he couldn't get up off the hardwood because it's slippery, but he would do it anyway, as long as he knew we were close because we would be able to help him. Know when you need help and ask for it. Josh Allen against pressure has been a narrative. And I think that what we saw from Josh Allen against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and against Todd Bowles' defenses, which is notorious for bringing extra blitzers, that was one of my big keys to the game going in. I really harped on it last week in the podcast that Josh Allen needs to do better things against pressure, especially because Todd Bowles' defense is coming to town. And that's a big part of Josh Allen's struggles against the New England Patriots were not correctly identifying when he was going to need help and getting out of trouble. Hitting the hot read, setting the protection right. You're going to need help. You're not going to be able to just Superman your way out of things all the time. That's not how this works. Yes, Josh Allen's ability to not allow a high percentage of his pressures converting to sacks is a superhuman trait. That's great. You cannot bank on that forever. Eventually, your hips are going to get a little bit tight. You're not quite going to be what you are, but you have help. You just have to call out for it. And it's going to continue to be a big part of what I'm focusing on moving forward because we only saw one game of him doing it at a high level since it became a narrative for me. And so for me, I'm going to continue to look at that. I'm going to continue to look at Josh Allen versus pressure. I think we saw good things against pressure with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. I think we need to continue to see that, especially against the Cincinnati Bengals. Because the Bengals' ability to bring pressure that Josh Allen did not properly account for was a huge part of the reason why the Buffalo Bills lost. One of the biggest issues we had this offseason as a fan base was we watched that game and we came away with only the idea that it was an offensive line problem. 
Now, it was partially an offensive line problem. I think we all watched a clip of Roger Saffold getting torched and gone, okay, well, we need to upgrade from that. But we came away with the idea. I had someone tell me, multiple people tell me on social media, it has to be an offensive lineman in the first round. It has to be. That's the only solution. We took the last game we saw, we allowed it to dig its way into our ears, burrow into our brains. We misconstrued it because we didn't want to watch it again because it was too painful. We assigned the wrong weighting to it. Some of it was offensive line. Some of it was Josh Allen, but we didn't do that. We came away, protect Josh Allen. Yes, okay, protect Josh Allen. Also, Josh Allen, protect yourself. Know when you need help and call for it. A lesson Josh Allen can learn and should continue to exhibit that he could learn from my dog. Last thing, focus on what you have, not on what you don't. I've never met a dog who looked down at his own paws as much as the big one did. Because you know how dogs are. Sometimes they want to play and Drax would come over and he would he would pull on one of the toys that the big one was playing with and maybe he would pull it away from him and the big one would let it go and then he would immediately look down at his paws and go, I've, I've got another toy. I'm fine. I've got a blankie. I'm fine. He has a, a blue blanket that he would carry around and that was his blanket. And he'd go, I'm not going to go chase down Drax for that toy. I've got a toy right here. I'm going to focus on what I have, not what I don't. Player acquisition season is in the offseason. Free agency, the draft. There were eight trades made at the deadline. Eight. That's it. The majority of teams didn't do anything at all. This is a one-off. The trade deadline is a one-off. It's an exception to the rule. It's a tiny little cherry on top of a Sunday, a huge mountainous Sunday of player acquisition. The overwhelming majority of all player acquisitions happen in the offseason. But that's when people check out, and that's when they're actually sometimes less engaged in the offseason. If you look at the podcast download numbers and listen numbers, they're almost always way higher during the season than they are in the offseason. But people are way more passionate about player acquisition when it's not player acquisition season. Then it's, oh my gosh, which is hilarious because that's the time when you are most likely to make a mistake is in the heat of the moment, right here at trade deadline time. Beans, he's got to do something. He's got to do something. Are you a buyer or a seller? You got to go for it. Go for the Super Bowl. The overwhelming majority of your focus should be on the things you have, trying to make it work, trying to scheme it up better, trying to improve the players you've got, coaching them up, putting them in better position to be successful, and focusing on what you have, not what you don't. That doesn't mean you can't acquire something at the trade deadline, but there were eight trades made. If you count all the ones that happened before the deadline, it's the following. Eagles getting Kevin Byard, Falcons getting Street from the Eagles, Seahawks acquiring Leonard Williams, 
Bears trading for Montez Sweat, the Vikings getting Josh Dobbs, the Jaguars acquiring Ezra Cleveland, the guard, the Niners trading for Chase Young, the Browns trading for Donovan Peoples-Jones, and the Bills acquiring Rasul Douglas. That's it. That's all of them. Are any of these things earth-shattering trades? I think probably the biggest impact we're probably looking at are the defensive trades. Rasul Douglas, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Leonard Williams, Kevin Byard. The defensive trades. There was three offensive players traded. Josh Dobbs, who I think has proven that he's okay, he's, he's all right. Given the fact that the Vikings had basically nothing behind Kirk Cousins, I get it. Ezra Cleveland, who's a good guard, right? Happy about that. And then a sixth rounder for Donovan Peoples-Jones, who'll be used in rotational fashion for the Detroit Lions, which I think says far more about Jameson Williams as it does about anything. But once again, the trade deadline comes and the trade deadline goes, and there aren't these massive earth-shattering trades happening that change the landscape of the NFL because that doesn't happen very often. Now is the time to focus on what you have not what you don't have. Nobody did that the way that my dog did. He just found a reason to just be happy with whatever he did. Could he have gotten up and run over and tried to fight Drax for his toy back? Probably. Could he have gone over, walked across the house, found the, the bucket of toys and grabbed another one? Probably. But he wanted to stay close to my wife for a reason we already talked about. So he looked down at his paws and goes, I got all I need right here. And he would just start playing with whatever it is he had. Because he was focused on what he had, not what he didn't. Now, you might be thinking right now, it's post week eight. Where's my QB stew? We are not going to do QB stew this week. We will do it next week. The situation this week put me a little behind on schedule. So we will do QB stew next week. We will also do emails next week. Real quick, we're going to talk about Rasul Douglas. Big fan of that trade. Trading a three for Rasul Douglas and a five, trading down two rounds. You're picking up Rasul Douglas. I think the fact that he has time on his contract next year, I understand it's a big cap hit. You're probably going to have to extend him or restructure. I get it. I do not like trading for expiring deals. I just, I don't like it. We saw that this matters with Brandon Bean. When he traded for Kelvin Benjamin, he flat out said, I really like the fact that he's got another year left on his deal. Now, of course, that didn't end up mattering that much because Kelvin Benjamin didn't end up being an impact player for the Bills overall over the course of those two years. He did have the snow game with Nathan Peterman that I think was a big part of the Buffalo Bills breaking the playoff drought. But I think having that extra year on the contract, even if it's an undesirable cap hit that you're going to have to deal with, is better than not having it at all. So I'm a big fan. Rasul Douglas, I think, has always been a good fit. Long, lengthy, aggressive, great locker room guy. I've been following him since he was an Eagle, and that, that's a great example. He, he was not overly well thought of a lot of times when he was an Eagle, and he, he kind of blossomed and just worked at it, worked at it, worked at it, and I think has really been playing well. I am surprised the Packers dealt him. I did not think they were going to. I had kind of dismissed it from my mind because I thought, okay, 
they're going through a rebuild. They're going to want to have a player. Like, I understand the contract and everything like that. I understand he's 29. But they're going to want to have a player like that as they're building up their youth. I mean, they have a crazy young roster, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Like, you're going to want to have that leadership. You know, you can't really... Jordan Love hasn't really earned that ability to be able to be the unquestioned leader of all things on that team. And so you're going to want to have a player like that as you go through this transitionary period. I thought they're not going to. They'll find a way to make it work. They're not going to trade him. Well, they traded him. And I'm I'm pleased. I think that one of the things you have to think about with the Buffalo Bills is they didn't lose one corner with Tredavious White. They lost two. They lost Tredavious White and... They essentially lost Kyir Elam because I think they expected something from Kyir Elam this year that they haven't gotten. Now, Brandon Bean talked about a lingering ankle for Kyir Elam. I think they might end up shutting him down for a couple weeks on injured reserve. But you essentially lost two relative to expectations. You lost Tredavious White and you don't feel comfortable playing Kyir Elam because I know this because you, you brought up Josh Norman. So I think you needed a body there. I think that Brandon Bean's comments to the media about looking at another defensive tackle, I think is good because that's the other position that I really wanted him to address at the trade deadline if it was all possible. But if you'll notice, there weren't a lot of interior defensive linemen flying around because they don't grow on trees. So whether that's signing in Dominican Sioux or a Matt Ioannidis, which I kind of thought the Buffalo Bills would have done a while ago. So I would not be surprised if Matt Ioannidis was the pick. After all, he is a former Panther. So I'm thrilled with the Rasul Douglas trade for the Buffalo Bills. I really am. I think I think it went well. Every year, I say the same thing when it comes to the trade deadline. In order for me to opine over whether or not they should have done something, I must first know that they could have done something. So I'm going to look through all the trades and go, out of all these trades, how many would you have done? I may have, may have gotten street from the Eagles in a late round pick swap. I may have been interested. In that, I'm definitely interested in the Rasul Douglas trade, but I wouldn't have done the Donovan Peoples-Jones trade. I don't think there's a use for him in the final year of your contract. I wouldn't have made the Cleveland trade, the Ezra Cleveland trade, because I don't think there's a spot for him. I'm not sure I would have given a third for an expiring contract with Chase Young. Wouldn't have needed Josh Dobbs. So for me, I wouldn't have wanted to give a two and plus for Leonard Williams from the Giants. So the only trades I would have done out of all this group is the one the Bills did and probably street from the Eagles in a late round pick swap. I would have done that probably. So overall, I'm fine with the trade line. When I isolate all the trades I think could have been done and then I pick out all the ones I would have done out of that list, I feel good about it overall. Leonard Fournette to the practice squad. He's your fourth string running back. I hope he doesn't have to take any meaningful touches. That's what I hope. But it's a fourth string running back at this point because Ty Johnson's on the active roster. So it's the three of them and the four. So yeah, I don't think that Leonard Fournette is an overly effective runner. But I don't know how many fourth string running backs are overly effective. So for me, it's almost a nothing burger because I think the only reason why this is even something we talk about is just because of the name. If it was Bob Jones with identical skills to Leonard Fournette, I don't think we'd even be talking about it. So 
it is what it is. And that's it. We did it. I somehow managed to concoct a, a weird Frankenstein podcast of a, a eulogy for my furry friend and a podcast about the Buffalo Bills. I want to thank you all for everyone who reached out to me this week. It was a tough week. I did not enjoy it at all. I know I'm going to have to go through it again multiple times, and I'm not looking forward to any of it. But if you live with a dog and you love a dog, at some point you're going to lose a dog. And that's just the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan. I'll